1: Debbie is everything Marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Marketplace, Marketplace. Debbie is everything Marketplace. Finding the talent is art, I'd say. I leave it to them while I carve my name. Hey,
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Debbie Marketplace Podcast. Kane, Shane, and Ellie back with you again to talk about another fun week about college football and how we can kind of use the fun predictive stats fun for some people those predictive stats to uh kind of figure out who's actually going to be good in the nfl um, but joining us here today is not just the three of us we have what we would call the king of alphabet soup the man that will teach you XL 101 in the basement of a church the big cheese of charts and that's our friend travis may at ff underscore travis m travis how you doing buddy
1: man big cheese of charts that's going to go on my linkedin from did now you on like, that? like absolutely man did you just make that up like you've been practicing that all day I like, i so if you look at my other screen i do have a
0: word document that i just typed this up as we were talking before the show <laughs> so i made Jesus sure i got it right
1: yeah make sure i don't stumble over that part that's really important it really is yeah, yeah okay well thank you uh appreciate it yeah i mean I, it's, I i talk to you guys all the time i thought maybe i i maybe i need one more opportunity to talk to you guys uh when that's it true. comes to uh you know debbie and in college and all the the cool things so thanks for having me
0: yeah you bet and i know you are kind of in a in a new type venture right you're kind of um kind of doing a lot of the uh college football stuff over at mojo um and that's kind of been all over our timeline all over uh sports center or espn all over um a bunch of different places so feel free to like give a moment and tell people what mojo is and maybe when we can expect it in a few other states
1: yeah, absolutely. So, Mojo, uh, it, it's been funny. Like, uh, I was at the Giants game, Giants Ravens, uh, doing some promo work when I was up in New York City for the college football stock market launch, and that's what it is. Mojo is a sports stock market where you can buy, sell, and trade your favorite uh, players uh, like they're an actual stock. It's fantastic. On the NFL side, you can, you know, you can bet against them in that you can short them just like you could a normal stock, or you can go long. Uh, you can add multipliers too to make it really fun uh certain players have uh, different multipliers that will get put on them for different reasons like uh you know like you know players like tom brady are probably aren't super volatile you know because they might only have one or two seasons remaining most of their value is already accumulated but even like a one percent change in tom brady if you have like a 10 15x multiplier on tom brady let's say his price goes up one percent and you got a 15x multiplier on it you just made 15 percent. So it's, it's different ways you can kind of customize it, make it a little bit too so riskier if you want. Uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's different ways to kind of approach it, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun to see how the NFL has taken off, uh, in the past three or four weeks here. And then, uh, but this past weekend is, which is what they brought me on to do was launch the college football side. Um, and it's been fun just promoting that. And, uh, we got into sports illustrated last week, which was incredible and ESPN this morning. And, um, out at the giants game like i said I, we had a plane flying around with like our our sign and, and stuff on it and so it, it was cool you just walk up to the tailgate and you're like hey i'm travis so i'm with mojo you know like the, the plane like right there yeah we're, we're with the plane today yeah just it's just kind of instant odd credibility there uh and you know the icebreaker uh we're, yeah we're, we're with the plane banner guy um but it, it's been really fun just building out the uh the player pool and the, the pricing uh to get it right for the launch and uh and now managing uh, a live stock market. It's, it's It's been a challenge, but it's been exhilarating. It's, I mean, it's what we do anyway with Debbie. It's like we invest and buy and sell and trade based on what we think a player is going to do in the NFL, and that's exactly how Mojo's college football side works. And right now,
0: just so we know, it's
1: just in New Jersey right now, but the goal is to be adapted in more states, correct? Yeah, absolutely, and we've got – well, what one? Thing, I mean, the, the team at Mojo—they they just have some of the best people in the industry from all over the place. Like, there's people from just about every sports book that are, are actually working at uh, Mojo now, and so lots of key experience uh, to help us expand and get into as many states as possible quickly. Uh, we have—we're um, kind of in process with over ten states. Uh, currently, but uh, you know, regulatory walls and things like that. We really don't have much of a promised timeline right now. I, I think I was quoted as a Mojo spokesperson in the Sports Illustrated uh, week uh, piece last week as saying that you know we're we're not on our, on our way to uh, nine or ten extra states, uh, you know, sometime in twenty twenty three. But uh, I don't really know when that's going to be. I hope it's soon because um, we're going to be adding sports, uh, not just football. So. It's going to be blowing up, and there's going to be lots of fun things to do over the next year or so. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you.
0: And let's just dive in, um, because since you're here, um, Nelly finally has a friend uh, to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I could have just stopped there. but You guys so aren't my friends? <laughs> no, no, they just a, a friend to actually talk about numbers <laughs> with, right? And I know. I know Nelly tries to fill us in a little bit on kind of the predictive metrics that that we kind of look at, right? And some of the most predictive metrics are obviously at the wide receiver position, right? It's kind of one of the easier one, at least uh, from what I've figured out, um, which is not a whole lot because I don't really have anything figured out, um, to kind of, you know, predict from college to the NFL. And I know Nelly's talked a lot about, um, obviously, our favorite one, or favorite alphabet soup, which is Yippa-Tippa. We love that. We love Dom. Um, we love that one. I know Dom. Um, but besides that, uh, I'm not good with numbers. Um, I know Travis loves being on this episode right now. But um, Nelly, like, kind of explain kind of what some of these key metrics are and like how we can actually utilize them to not only make sure we're drafting the best Debbie players, um, but kind of trying to see that that rise from kind of being a low end debut player and getting some of that, some of that work and getting some of that production to actually like, Oh, maybe this guy wasn't just a complete shock getting drafted in the second round of the NFL draft because he actually had that work and that production kind of leading up to that.
2: Yeah. So I think the goal of, as you call it, it's, it's much easier to understand if you just consider it as yards per pass as a receiver, um, that and dominator way to dominator. Um, the goal of those metrics is to um, adjust for team volume to determine how good a wide receivers production is right because if a player on if a player on Iowa goes for a thousand yards that di- that's different than a player on on Mississippi State going for a thousand yards because Mississippi State throws the ball five times as much as Iowa does. So the goal is to kind of adjust for that team volume yards per pass kind of does a good job of adjusting for the team's uh, um, efficiency and ability because it's adjusting um, on, on that pass. Um, and so the goal is to kind of create uh, kind of a baseline for these players to compare against each other um, rather than just looking at raw numbers. And so it's, the, the, the stats are really quantifying how good a player is uh, respective to their team right like weighted dominator is how much you're dominating the the receiving production uh from your team whether that's receiving yards whether that's touchdowns same thing goes for for yards per pass as well it's 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 uh, attempting to accomplish that and what we've seen is this is pretty predictive for um for player success in the nfl um especially if it's done at a young age, right? Like if a freshman is getting on the field and dominating numbers right away, that's, that's indicative of someone who's a pretty special player. Um, and so all of these things combined, the goal is to kind of, uh, quantify the likelihood for success at the NFL level.
0: And obviously that makes sense, right? Players that do better in college will probably get drafted by a team other than the Rams. Um, because I think the Rams just like to stick to random players that no one's really ever heard of, which is important. Um, But Travis, how
1: how dare you disrespect Skoranek? Benjamin Skoranek. Poo-poo Crapwell. Oh Oh my gosh. Benjamin fullback slash wide receiver Skoranek.
0: But I I think that's a good point about wide receivers. And Travis, I know you have been working um, quite a few years on kind of trying to figure out like a quarterback model that kind of, um, makes sense in how we view quarterbacks from a nerd standpoint. Uh, yeah. What, what kind of things do you look at there and and how predictive have you found that to be?
1: So, uh, yeah, I I just was so frustrated for a long time at the fact that everyone sucked at quarterback analysis and was like, how do we suck less at quarterback analysis? (laughs) Like, how do we just improve? Because like something has to change. This is not working. Uh, is it efficiency? Is it rushing? Is it some mix uh, of both? Um, And so I broke down um, a couple different key uh, passing measures that have shown at least some sticky um, uh, predictive measure in in terms of uh, leading to draft capital. Uh, And once they're in the pros, uh, being some kind of differentiating factor. So the more predictive uh, draft capital metric, uh, which is everyone's, well, not everyone, many people are familiar with now, uh, is adjusted yards for pass attempts. Uh, and then once you're in the pros, uh, completion percentage overexpe- uh, overexpected, that is completion percentage overexpected, uh, has some, some weight uh, once you're in the pros, less predictive prior to the pros. But uh, the way that I've adjusted uh, a few things uh, for key schematic variables, uh, it has some pretty sticky value to it. Uh, so I basically just wanted to take things apart and look at a few things that uh, naturally inflated the efficiency of quarterback play. Uh, like play action percentage, like how often the team runs play action. Um, And uh, that can, uh, on a large sample, inflate uh, quarterbacks' uh, efficiency profile uh, through the lens of adjusted yards per attempt and even completion percentage uh, rate there as well. And then like jet motion, any kind of pre-snap motion, horizontal motion, uh, that also can explain some of the variance when it comes to pass efficiency for quarterbacks. Uh, And then, of course, the average depth of target uh, also can really change your efficiency so i wanted to adjust for those three key measures that we kind of know uh, and have measured uh, in large samples over many years of data Uh, those three uh, artificially inflate in their own way uh, and can impact um, the variance in a quarterback's pass pass efficiency and so i combined my two measures of adjusted yards per attempt and completion percentage over expected adjusting for those three variables and this is a long uh, rant here sorry about that but to create a one measure that basically creates a percentile profile for every quarterback to throw at least 100 pass attempts since 2016 and so that, that pumps this out like a you know well over a thousand individual seasons of production and so when you're working with that kind of sample you can really get an idea of who the good passers are and who the bad passers are and then when you mix that with uh you know a few key rushing metrics you really start to see who the good quarterbacks are. And so that's been a whole lot of fun to try to hone that in and, uh, you know, get some confirmation bias really in the last week as I talked to a couple of real uh, NFL analytics staffers just to kind of uh, break that down and see if it held up to some scrutiny. And so, uh, and, and really to, to see if I'm on the right track. And so that was a lot of fun, but uh, learning as I go and uh, we're get, we're getting better at quarterbacks. Still not great, but better.
0: Shane, you got thoughts on any of that?
3: <laughs> just yeah, just maybe yeah. like follow that up right now. No, no, I think it's good. I, I think, um, and, and and I want Travis to get into this too because you know I think for me from a, a film watching perspective, it's been interesting last year and this year where we have a lot of older quarterbacks, older wide receivers, like you know um, that are have a lot more experience, and so. You know, when we talk about some of this, oh, you know, freshman breakout, Nellie talked about that with having a young guy be able to put up some of these stats. Now what happens when you have a player who's a fifth year, who's a sixth year, who's an 11 years out of high school as we have in, in college football right now? You know, how, how, do you, how do you kind of evaluate those players, um, you know, where, where the NFL is going to have to take a shot on some of these older these older prospects, uh, maybe older than they have in the past.
1: I will say I actually asked a, a, an age related question to a real analytics staffer for an NFL team on Friday. And uh, it does matter. So it, it, we are onto something. It does matter quite a bit, especially at uh, skill positions like wide receiver. They really care about that. Um, and even at quarterbacks, a lot of times the question that they ask themselves is this really old quarterback, what would where would he have gone last year? Would he have been drafted last year? That was like the first answer as it pertained to quarterbacks and age that uh I got talking to a real nFL staffer um so like when it comes to guys like Dorian Thompson Robinson, who has a really good sample of production, and then all of a sudden this year in like year five uh, starts looking really incredible uh you know at least top seven or eight in terms of like Heisman race kind of guy do we do we await and adjust like so much that we take him earlier than we should. And it, and it seemed to me the answer was no. And so I compare that to a guy like Kenneth Hooker who actually, even in 2019 had a really decent analytical profile that year and then did it again in his first Tennessee season last year, mid 90th percentile kind of efficiency play and rushing production. And then he returns. And then just this year, he's going to post like 99th percentile ish numbers and it's going to be insane. he's probably gonna win the he- Heisman. Um, but you believe in that a little bit more than a guy who just does it in that peak final year. Uh, you know, hash, you know. shout out to Kenny Pickett, by the way.
3: First round pick, Kenny Pickett, yeah.
1: So, so what I'm hearing, it's important to be consistent. So
3: Tate Martell
0: still got a pro-
2: shot.
0: Pro- <laughs> <laughs> consistently awful, yes. It's, yeah, And he's <laughs> consistent. And he's consistently either jumping teams or not on one. Yeah, and that's no,
1: important. Changing positions, yeah. <laughs>
2: What about with like, uh, younger guys who take that big step up, like specifically a guy like DJ Hugh, who last year his, I I mean, percentile wise in your model, he probably had to be at least bottom 25. Um, he was, he was not good last year, uh, but this year he's off to a strong start and he's only a third year guy, right? So it's not like he's a fifth year guy who's just older than everyone else. Is there, uh, is it more the best season that you care about is it accumulation of all the seasons? How do you look at something like that?
1: Best season absolutely matters multiple times, you know, hitting key thresholds that has more weight. Like for instance, Trevor Lawrence had three seasons around the 90th percentile or above. Uh, and no one else has done that. Uh, and ever like it's <laughs> that I know of. And so like, he was obviously going to be a, a priority. Um, you know there are there are exceptions uh, to that rule. like a couple of guys that almost made the threshold like a couple times, but like even Mac Jones um, was above the 90 percentile twice if we include his you know smaller sample season um, the year prior to his final one. But really peak is the most important just in terms of uh, being the most sticky for draft capital prediction, uh, just because the NFL is obsessed with that peak final season. Um, and that shows up time and time again. And they are fine fading you completely, even if your entire, you know, the entirety of your, the rest of your career said you were a good quarterback. Uh, Like, take Sam Howell, for instance. He had, uh, you know, lots of things going against him um, and threw too many picks, and his sack percentage was way too high. Also, found out sack percentage is a huge deal to NFL teams. Uh, So, I'm going to try to figure out how to build that in. And uh, that's kind of expressed in the rushing yard market share numbers, uh, just naturally. But, going to reassess and see if I can build that in any way where I'm not double counting, um, in other ways. But, uh, that was, that was huge, uh, with Sam hell apparently. So I, I know you talk about kind of these metrics and
0: kind of the percentile of these metrics. I know Nelly does too. And especially with quarterbacks, like at some point, doesn't it matter at some point, right. Of how good your weapons are. Like at some point that has to matter, right? That, because when you talk about like these guys yeah. that have really good metrics, like they had good weapons, right? If yeah. you look at Kenny Pickett, you had the Blitnikoff winner and in, in mm-hmm. Jordan Addison. Look at Mac Jones. He had some of the best wide receivers in all of college football. Like at what point, like, I know there's no way to like fully phase out, like how good of weapons you have, but is there any way at any point to kind of make that even, or is there,
1: is there just no way to include that parody? Uh, I will say teammate score has been something uh, that no one that I know of has really been able to adequately or correctly or meaningfully um, measure and, and uh, use to predict um, from an actual, like outside of just historical binning purposes, like actual statistical signals, like signal, like that no one's really done a good job on that. But um, one way that you can kind of do that is, you know, really uh, digging in to, uh, like adjusting adjustments for strength of schedule uh, and strength of schedule of your school versus other schools and your le- level of play, and uh, that was actually another thing I talked to uh, about. I don't like I going back to that conversation, but it, I just learned so much. Um, you know, when you talk to somebody who does this full time for an NFL franchise, and uh, he was saying that they're they're still they're, they're still actually figuring that out. Like, how do we get better at this so we so we don't miss even in situations like Josh Allen, like so we don't miss that guy because everyone's models, even on the NFL side, said that guy sucks, Uh, except for like one or two teams, maybe maybe one team. Uh, But uh, And so, yeah, it's just from an analytic standpoint, how do you get better at uh, not missing out on the players like that because their teammates were awful?
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I know there's a lot of solid quarterbacks in the NFL, right, that just had a terrible team around them. Like it, it happens and there's just no way to really account for it. I think at some point like traits kind of make a big difference, right? And that's that's when film and analytics have to be married. Right? Like yeah. the film has to matter at some point. Like or else
1: Well, I mean that's that's what that's what gets the area scouts even interested in players. Like they don't really care about like some air force wide receiver that has some good adjusted metrics <laughs> like, and there's every year there's like one that has some silly stuff because all they do is chuck a deep off of play action um but uh, if they're going to pass at all but yeah it's it's uh yeah you, you like the year before any given draft like the, the guys that are making those decisions to, of players uh, like any kind of player pool to even be interested in considering are those area scouts for nfl teams and so Trying to create a proxy to find the ones that they would be interested in is what we try to do on the nerdy number side. But absolutely, film and traits mean a whole lot to the NFL.
0: I think the one position we haven't quite talked about yet, and we're not going to talk about tight end because it's gross. Um, but is, is running backs right? I think there's no like easy predictive like metric that makes it clear comparison right kind of to like college to the nfl or is is there one that that you nerds at the bottom of my screen like a little bit more Nell,
1: no, you go first with that one
2: uh, running backs are tough for me still i mean one i mean with with running backs it's not necessarily uh analytical but uh, archetypes is a big thing for me like just in terms of game theory of dynasty, I I want someone who has the size to be a bell cow who can break fantasy. Um, But I will say the one thing that the numbers come into play with is um, I look at receiving numbers for, for running backs, whether that be the the ones we were talking about earlier for wide receivers in terms of yards per pass, or in terms of weighted dominator, just their target share in terms of how much their team is involving them in the receiving game. Uh, I find that to be super important for, for fantasy purposes, obviously, because um, I mean, we we all play PPR for the most part. I mean, pass catching running backs get the high value touches that that we like in fantasy. Um, but in terms of like the ground game, for me, I, I've had difficulty quantifying it just because like running backs are such a product of situation. In in some instances, I mean, we see it in the NFL. Like it's it's so much so dependent on your offensive line and and the situation that you're in and that stretches over to college as well.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times, um, you know, one of the, the early founders of roto is uh, I'm going to get the quote wrong, but it was essentially a, a lot of what we think is skill is really just more so opportunity, <laughs> like in, in the NFL especially. Uh, like we like to think that we can identify skill Uh, with these players and differentiate. Uh, But more often than not, it's just that they're in the right situation (laughs) that, that it just kind of like the magic happened. And that, I mean, like with running backs, especially most, like when you try to prove that, you know, a running back is good. Like what's the metric. It's really tough. Like yards per carry. Sorry. That means nothing. Like if you just ran signal on, on yards per carry, that means nothing. That's an, that's an O line stat. And so it's really tough to, to kind of use numbers to be predictive outside of like, you know some measurables, some receiving yard market share stuff, some breakaway percent, breakaway run percentage, um, things like that. Uh, but like yards per team play or like uh, EPA per play, like if you know how to build that out, uh, or have access to data to build that out for running backs, uh, that can be uh, that can be sticky for sure. But, um, even so, it's 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 less than wide receivers for sure. So it's it's just hard. Uh, we're still not great at that, and I'm not sure we're ever going to find like some magical metric that just is the answer but you know yards per team play epa per play um and then receiving yard market share like productive receiving backs with size too like nelly said that's that's a deadly combo for fantasy purposes
2: um and there's actually uh noah noah hills parties noah more parties on twitter i'm getting his twitter at wrong he's doing some really interesting work trying to kind of team adjusts similar to how the wide receivers are done right now, where he's looking at running backs, comparing them to other running backs in the room uh, and their talent levels um, based on like recruiting ratings and, and kind of adjusting the efficiency based off that to get a, a scale of how talented they are for the running back room. Um, And uh, he was all over Spiller being overrated when everyone thought he was going to be a second-round pick, and he ended up going in the fourth. He he was right a lot this past year. Um, he's doing really interesting work that I think is worth mentioning for running backs.
1: He probably likes A-Chain, then.
2: He loves A-Chain.
1: Good, good man. Martin <laughs> so, so what I'm hearing
0: is just keep following yards per carry. Uh, so... <laughs> no. no. Well, oh. But, um, you know. But,
1: but it,
0: I I think the one thing, right, is is... The goal, right? especially when we're playing Debbie, Debbie I think the goal is a little different if we're like fully incorporating like C2C, right? Because there's different goals in all that, whether that's kind of trying to win your college side or really trying to build up your NFL side. But for the most part, when we play Debbie is it's really similar to Mojo, right? You're trying to figure out guys that are going to increase their stock realistically, right? It's the reason why this podcast is called the Devi Marketplace, right? You're trying to find guys in the market that are either going to go up and you want to buy them before they go up, or you want to sell them um, before they go down, right? Yeah. It's the same same thing as Mojo. But the one other place that we try to do that with, right, is the NFL draft, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and that's why Shane constantly cranks out, you know, seven-round mock drafts from 2036 uh, with players <laughs> that we've never heard of before, right? Like, yeah, six, that's why, like, that's why so Shane's, guess... like, just pounding yeah. them out over at Draft Countdown, right, Shane?
3: Yeah, look! Look! We my twenty thirty eight draft coming out pretty soon. But oh, uh, four years
1: out from my son's draft class. So look,
3: getting <laughs> close. We're getting closer. Oh, look, he's yeah. been drafted in a league. We can't. He has been drafted. That.
1: Dwight <laughs> round one hundred and fifty taking my son. My son is ten months old. But anyway.
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I dropped a, a seven round twenty twenty three mock this week, and I think you know Travis and I were talking a little bit in the pinnacle. Um, group chat just about you know i think with Devi and and what it sounds like with mojo too i think there's an opportunity to if you have an active trading league to be able to buy and sell knowing what that nfl draft cycle looks like right like when do these values peak um when that senior bowl time hits these senior quarterbacks running backs receivers if they're there they're getting some type of hype oftentimes and you're going to see the, how, how many senior bowl quarterbacks go oh, m- might go in the first round might be a top 50 pick. And then the guy goes, you know, in the fourth, the fifth, the sixth round doesn't get drafted. Uh, Carson strong, uh, you know, th- like it happens. Right. So I think there is ways to know what's going to happen kind of just in that draft process and see those values fluctuate, be able to buy and then sell when you're going to get the highest return.
1: Yeah, and we, we already saw some really savvy buyers come in uh, on Hooker right before the Alabama game. And so I was like, okay, that's going to be interesting. Like, this is, I mean, the, this could go poorly, but the expectations aren't, like, the floor is not terrible because if if he loses, you know, the people aren't going to freak out because it's Alabama, and so markets sentiment might not tank his price. But if he does go off, we'll see what happens. And he did rise, like, his price rose by on, Mo- on Mojo by, like, 13%. Uh, And then, so, like, like, there were a couple guys who had like a 3x multiplier on that. So they had like a 40% profit in a day, which is just nuts.
2: Can we talk about Hendon Hooker? Do you think he's going to be a first round pick? Yes.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, yeah, right now, like, uh, things could change, but he's certainly on that trajectory. Um, He has a 90th percentile kind of scheme adjusted pass efficiency season plus crazy rushing numbers, and he's going to have his second. 90th percentile season this year Um, and even when he was again in 2019 he had an 80th percentile season and 80th percentile is key in my particular passing metric because the last two seasons there's not been a single quarterback in the FBS that's that was drafted that had uh, their peak season come in below the 80th percentile uh, you know compared to all seasons since 2016 Um, and that that passer uh, that had the lowest rating uh, was Kellen Maude and he's off the team now so I get, yeah,
0: school. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, it's really key to at least get above that 80th mark, and if you don't, you better be Josh Allen because like he's basically it. <laughs> like, like below that mark,
2: is I think- Will Levis going to is Will Levis going to break that mold this year?
1: Will Levis uh, is on pace to be above that mark anyway, uh, but he will be in trouble if he struggles down the stretch against the ICC uh, competition here because uh, he's. He just, I, I, I'm coming around on Levis, uh, despite him putting mayo in his coffee. Uh, that's that's like undraftable Healed right good. there. Like that's like, a, like you might want to get like a like a serious psych assessment on that on that guy on that situation. Um, but like prior to this year, he, his peak was actually almost right near uh, Josh Allen's analytically speaking. And so, had you know, which is hashtag not good. Um, so yeah, uh, it, he's getting there though this year. I think. Um, He's had a few things that have boosted his profile, some celiac numbers from his running back position, a couple other things. But, uh, you know, I might get there with him. So he won't break it if he holds pace, but I don't think he holds pace. And so I think he's probably QB4 when it's all said and done.
3: Yeah, look, at least he improved his rushing yardage from uh, like negative 42 to – or negative 56 to negative 49 this past week. So he's, he's getting there. He's getting – Might get positive this season after (laughs) 300-plus, almost 400 yards last year. Oh, man. Yeah. He he needs to do something.
0: I think the most important thing when we look at, like, just this quarterback class in 23 as a whole, right, is, like, we have basically, like, four players that not only have, like, good profiles in, in terms of, like, analytically speaking, but also, like, their film is solid enough. Um, and I think bes- behind those four, like it is a crapshoot. Like, I think there's, yes. there's so many like people that are combined and like whatever metric you want to look at that might move one player up a little bit and then I uh, might move someone else down. But overall, I think that's when, when Shane's talking about the senior bowl, like we say it year after year after year on this podcast is the senior bowl is one hell of a drug. It can make. A player, even just in our fantasy community, right, it can make one player's value skyrocket, and it can make it just completely fall, Mm -hmm. right, just based on the hype that comes out. Um, And I think a lot of that depends on how good their agent is. But, um, you know, I. but I think that's kind of what we're dealing with, right? Like, we have four good ones, and then let's hope that some either go to the Senior Bowl or something changes between now and the end of the year. Uh because or else we're gonna have four and a just a complete crapshoot. Um and I think that crapshoot is gonna be on par with um this last draft class
1: that we had. You know, after after those four.
0: Yes. Yep, after those four. I think you're gonna be looking at a lot of the same quarterbacks that people would have been arguing about last season.
1: Mm-hmm. Thing is, there's like there's so many ones that are interesting and fun now. Like,
0: sure, there were some that were interesting and fun last year,
1: interesting and fun with actually like proven peak profiles, though, too. Okay, and, now you can't add both of those in together because we didn't uh, quite have that last I just year. did. <laughs> okay, well, I but just, we I didn't just have did. That it was yeah, fun, it's, it's though. True. True. I will say, though, uh, this class this year was underdrafted. Um, and I and again, back to that conversation, uh, the analytics staffer I, I agreed with me that basically NFL teams have this logic problem when it comes to quarterbacks. That after like a team's let them go once, they start second guessing themselves and go like BPA with like upside at other positions, thinking that oh because they were passed on once that means NFL teams don't really think that they can start, and so they just let them keep dropping and keep dropping, um, and they, like that's probably a, just a logical flaw in, in terms of how the draft is ex- is executed, and so like that happened with Malik Willis this year where the Titans just got to a point where like this is stupid. This player is is way higher on our board. We need to trade up and, and get him right now because this is dumb. Like this is absurd that he dropped this far. So there were players that dropped way further than they should, just given the logical flaw in the process that goes into draft day for NFL teams and uh, cap cap structure decisions and with, with different position like different rounds and a number of things. But uh, this this class wasn't as as bad as, as the draft capital might indicate. But this year is more intriguing because there's because there's like forty. Freaking old guys that are actually playing well in college football right now. And so I don't know what teams are going to prioritize what, but like we, it's almost half the FPS that has a, a quarterback in their fifth plus year. Like that's absurd. It's, it's crazy that it, it's that high. Um, so we have the, all these experienced guys with crazy peak profiles. uh And so I don't know. Like it, it is going to be a crapshoot because I have no idea. Like some teams are going to have that, like so and so QB5, and some, somebody else is going to have them. Could be twenty five. Roll the boats, Sky Gophers is what I'm hearing out of all that. <laughs> uh, by the way, I, are you talking about Tanner Morgan right now? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, like that. I, I, I'm. I think he's okay, but like that looks scary. I, on that, he got punched like, directly in the head. I know it was like head and neck, and like he was carted yeah. off. Went to the hospital. Apparently, he was able to travel home with the team, but that was that was a scary moment.
0: And from some of the people that I know on the sideline. Yeah, um, I know this was mentioned a little bit during the broadcast, but like he was having trouble with his vision too. Like that's at that's the time, scary. like super blurry vision. He was like, you know, we've all had it where things are blurry for a second, right? And he tried to blink as much as possible to like hope that one blink will like correct the issue. <laughs> yeah. Um he was doing that for minutes. Oh gosh. Like trying to like like yeah, repeatedly there's... blinking to try to like refresh his vision. So it was a real tough injury. Yeah, brutal. And Nelly, you got any more number dump? India. Before we
2: move on, um, I guess something that I've noticed, and maybe Travis has thoughts on this, is I, it seems as though efficiency across the board is uh, kind of on a on a linear rise in college football. Um, like ten years ago, like to fifteen years ago, there weren't any quarterbacks that were hitting like ten plus adjusted yards per attempt, and now we have like, as Travis said, we have like. 10 20 plus that are doing it um and so something that i haven't incorporated but something that i've at least started to think about is starting to adjust for era um adjust for year just the expectation should get a little bit higher each and every year i don't know if that's something you've thought about travis
1: yeah what's great is uh each and every year uh, i break it up by season uh with with the metric as well Um, And so like when you standardize a metric uh, against the population of everyone else, um, you don't get the raw output from that season. You get the percentile output from that season. So if you can break it down percentile by season, uh, you get a really fun look at an automatically adjusted for era percentile. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because you're, you're, that's very cool. Yeah. You're talking about like, you know, in any given year, you got, there's, there's 130 FBS teams, but you're probably going to have 140, 150 guys that actually break like 100 pass attempts on a year. So you're talking about a crazy sample to work with and adjust within to get a really good look at who really are the elite passers within the scale of that given season's expectation. Um, and so that helped me really kind of sift through the COVID season, which was really odd because you had all these profiles of different sizes um, and it was just a mess. But if you adjust for the scale of of just that that season and, and, not, and try not to compare the raw uh, efficiency numbers and thresholds to every other year, um, you get, I think, a more meaningful uh, look at each individual season and, and era. But yeah, really since like 2016, we just have better data. Like all the, like the main stat providers for the college side, uh, most of them have everything dated back to at least 2016. Um, like pro football focus has all their latest metrics back to that point, Sp- like sports info solutions has all their metrics back to that point. Uh one of the popular ones that uh, people um, like professional sports companies use uh, sports radar has everything back to 20, 20- 2016. Um, and so like a bunch of them, like that's like the modern analytical model era of football in terms of uh, what's available at uh, basically every data source that you want to use. Like If you go very, very much further than that, uh, there's, disagreements on like some some metrics and things like there's incomplete data uh stuff that wasn't tracked and so it'll be interesting just to see like from 2016 on how uh efficiency changes uh, but in that range it's been kind of similar anyway um and so uh it's kind of fun like if you just go back that far like you still get you catch like the the tail end of careers like patrick mahomes and like Deshaun watson like uh, the end of their their analytical career um so you get a, a really good picture of like all the, the young up-and-coming passers right now. But it, it is interesting because we're entering this era where QB, QB development, QB uh, efficiency is at this, at this peak. Uh, we're at this moment where we we might, I was talking about uh, some of this with the Mojo guys, we might enter the, this beautiful era of quarterback play uh, at the college level. that might prompt us to never see a, a, a quarterback draft have less than three first-round picks in it ever again. Um, and that's mainly because We have just a larger elite pool of quarterbacks in what it seems every single class. Like there's, you know, four first rounders this year. You know, at at least it looks like that now. Next year and like 2024, it already looks like there's four more in that season, and we're we're two two drafts out. 2025, absolutely stacked recruiting class. 2026, like the next year's true freshmen are. It's it is objectively speaking the most impressive quarterback recruit crop of all time and it's not remotely close so it's just it's going to be really fun to see how that changes not only just the quarterback position but offenses as a whole as that continues to be more efficient
0: well that was a whole lot of uh fun nerddom um, for about 40 minutes so we're gonna we're gonna go over to a trade real quick because we gotta shake those uh, numbers out of my noggin um, so I'm going to read you a trade here. This is going to be a long one. So get ready. It's a five for five trade. So five players on one side, five players on the other. So get ready for this bad boy. Um, by the time that this podcast comes out, we'll be able to accept the trade. Um, so that'll be nice. Uh, it is my trade. So I'm trading away um, one of Nelly's favorite quarterbacks in Kyler Murray and his other favorite quarterback in Daniel and jo- uh, Daniel Jones. Um, so Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones, Mike Evans. Gerald Everett and Dalton Schultz in a PPR tight end premium league Um for Zach Wilson, Zach Evans, Donovan Edwards, Elijah Mitchell, and Chris Olave.
1: What the heck, man? <laughs> That's so much, so yeah. much going on. Say, say that again, because yeah. I, I'm trying to write this down and it's, I'm sure the listeners have no idea. what We just,
0: yeah. So Daniel Jones, okay. Kyler Murray. Yeah. Mike Evans. Yep. Gerald Everett. Yep. And Dalton Schultz.
1: That's that's your side. You're trading that away.
0: Yes. Okay. For Zach Wilson. Okay. Zach Evans. Okay. Donovan Edwards.
1: Elijah Mitchell. And Chris Olave. Holy cow, that's so many moving pieces. Yep. The Debbie side basically makes that trade. Or, I mean, makes or break that trade.
3: Right. And I'm in this league, too. I'll say it's tiered PPRs. So tight ends get two points per catch. Running backs get uh one point, point and a half, and receivers get one. So running backs and tight ends get a little little bump there.
0: I think it's a fun trade, Mm -hmm. especially because this is also best ball. Oh, gosh. (laughs) <laughs> so best ball tiered super flex PPR. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's your, your normal home league. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also like start like 11, probably 11 or 12. Probably who knows.
3: Yeah. Like I, it, it's tough to trade away Kyler Murray. Uh, For sure. But, but I, I just think the other pieces you're giving up, uh, eh, you know, it's fine. Like Mike Evans, Dalton Schultz, Daniel Joe, whatever. So I, I, I do kind of like the Debbie side, but it's always tough in a super flex to give up that top tier quarterback.
0: I'll still have Pat Mahomes on my team, but
3: that helps. I, yeah, I don't
1: know. I mean, Chris Olave is a lot of fun. Like, I mean, he's looking like he could be the wide receiver one in the class, given his uh, current (laughs) early breakout. I mean, I I still like Garrett Wilson uh, the most. Uh, which feels still feels dirty because you know liking a Jets wide receiver but uh I mean Chris Alave and Zach Evans is being outproduced at, and you mean the the Minnesota one right <laughs> 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 no, you know, I'm joking uh the, the you know that is the Ole Miss running back who's being outproduced by a true freshman right now no big deal um uh, so the, yeah, that's that's a little odd that he is being outproduced by Quinshawn Judkins, uh, his true freshman backfield counterpart. But um, he still looks very much like a what a day two running back, probably right. Don, Donovan think... Edwards probably looks like a day two running back. Like after quorum has gone, he's gonna have all of the touches in the world uh, on a really good team. So, man, two day two picks at running back. Whatever the heck Elijah Mitchell is in any given week when he's healthy and whenever the Fortnite 49ers decide to feed him. And then Chris Olave wide receiver one this year maybe. And then Zach Wilson who's a sack of garbage. Um <laughs> damn man.
3: just stabbing Zach Wilson there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's I mean I I think I still prefer that that uh yeah, I think I I prefer the Debbie side, but if you tried to explain that to a non-Debbie player they'd be real confused. <laughs> That's accurate.
2: Give me Kyler Nelly nah, I know nah. you want Kyler <laughs> I'd hold on to Kyler
0: Well I I need the shot at all the players Because I don't really have good players um, And in a best ball league The more good players you have on your roster Usually the better
1: Just in general Only best law. Yeah it's really good to have bad bad players
3: on a, In every other format though It's true You did <laughs> Hey, sometimes it is to just not make a lineup decision <laughs> that's, and just okay. be like, you know what? I I, I, I have no other option. I have yeah.
0: nine good
1: players. That's okay, what to, I can to, start. to not be infuriated when Deion Jackson gets 10 catches on your bench.
3: Yeah, yeah. And I I, look, I, I started freaking Jeff Wilson for 0.1 points. So it was great. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the best but, ball's the way to go. <laughs> I, we love best ball. I think it just makes it more fun, too. hmm because um, you don't fully have to pay attention all the time, um, Shane. You want to teach us something real quick? I know you had a shout out uh, on Twitter last week because someone was like, "I just went in these caves." <laughs> yeah, that, like, you taught you taught us about last week. So, like, what are you teaching us about this week?
3: Uh, like I said, I wanted to get uh, a little little world view the next couple weeks, so we're, we're going to go up to uh, our neighbor up north to Canada. Uh, Secret shopper Darren. He is a Canadian, so I was like, this would be nice. And so I try to find the, the wildest thing that I, I try to think of the wildest thing I've learned about Canada. So this story, uh, Toronto, 1855. Um, Toronto is a pretty seedy city. It was full of like, brothels and like not, not a great place to, to, to be or have a family. Um, so the circus came to town. So that was like a good family-friendly entertainment, right? Circus comes to town. They're doing well. Well, the, the clowns in the circus at night, they're going to hit up the brothels. It's a brothel centric, you know, city. It's what you do. Um, so they're like going around to these different brothels and they go to one where the uh, hook and ladder firefighters frequent. And side tangent, if there's a big firefighter kind of war. Like if you put out a fire, you got paid. And so th- these these firefighters actually had beaten up a group of another firefighters a few weeks before because they put out a fire that was on their turf. It's like, gangsters of firefighters so these clowns are just trying to go have a good time at this brothel and the firefighters disinterpret they were sent to fight them and so this full-on um fight breaks out in this brothel uh and you know ultimately the firefighters kind of get their their asses kicked by these clowns so the next day at the circus the firefighters show up to seek revenge on these clowns and the spectators join in and there's a full-on it's called the circus riot where everyone just starts wailing on the clowns and beating up these clowns. Some clowns actually have to, and and like carnies have to jump into uh, Lake Ontario uh, to escape. And so why this matters, why is this historical thing, the circus riot? So the police just let it happen because they're like, who are these these clowns? There's a religious aspect to it. Um, And so it led to this sweeping reform of police in Toronto in general and led to the improvement of Toronto as a city and the police force in lowering crime, thanks to some clowns and firefighters getting into it.
1: That's... How does that affect uh, Hooker's draft capital?
3: Look, look, I'm... <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a story that was that's amazing Shane. that's like that's I, amazing
3: i think i think it props up chase brown he's canadian and illinois oh running gosh. back so i think didn't
1: you know, help Chuba hubbard
0: though
3: that's that's fair <laughs> uh
0: well it didn't help his vision oh, um but it did help his speed and that's important you
3: gotta be fast to jump in a lake ontario
0: that's
1: true
3: yeah so uh, what was
1: you know what's the exchange rate on yards per carry canadian to us by the way because About .87 on the dollar. Okay, because Chuba Hubbard had like 14 yards per carry in in, in high school. So what is that in American yards per carry? Just lower. Uh,
3: (laughs) That's the next analytic uh, milestone we
1: need. Yeah, Canadian yards per carry versus U.S. The exchange
0: rate is key. Yeah, That's for sure. Let's dive straight into our buys and sells here. I'm going to go first because I don't want anyone to uh, steal mine, even though they probably won't steal my buy. I'm going to go at the top um, because – we don't often talk about like the tippy top and the buys and sells. Um, but I'm buying Bijan Robinson. And at this point, I don't really care what it costs. He is the dynasty running back one right now. Um, I, He's going to have more value than Brees Hall. He's going to have, he has more value already than Jonathan Taylor. He is already the RB one in all of dynasty in my eyes. So uh, what would I trade for him? Um, any running back. If anyone wants to give me a one for one uh, so trade say, where I get Bijan Robinson, I'll
1: Say Saquon plus.
0: Yeah, I would take Bijan Robinson. Cool. Like nice. I like Bijan Robinson. A lot. I think. I think especially if we're dealing with a C two C stuff, like then Bijan even has a little more value, right? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, in just Brees pure... Hall, Brees Hall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan. Any ooh. running back you want, I'd rather have Brees, or I'd rather have Bijan Robinson. And I'd rather have Brees Hall over any other NFL running back as well. That actually um, is
1: gaining some steam, like as of today. Yeah,
0: yeah. We've we've been on that for for a bit here. So at least that's where I am. So I'm buying Bijan Robinson. Give me him over any NFL running back. I don't even care if that makes me if I'm competing, and that makes me not no longer competing this year. I'd rather have Bijan Robinson on my team um a player that i'm selling um that's always a, a tough part um but after a good week i'm still selling jackson dart like i, I understand that that like he's a really really mobile player and that he's going to be able to use his legs in the nfl things like that but overall i i'm not the most pleased when uh, a quarterback is going to get his best week, um, based on a lot of quarterback runs, um, to get him out in space and let him either choose to run or pass. That's not something that I'm necessarily banking on at the NFL level. Um, even though like he's a really, really solid player, I think for college, he's going to be really good. Um, but I think his decision-making is also relatively poor. Um, his arm strength is there. Well, it has to be his last name's dart. Um, obviously he's fast. It makes sense. Last name dart. Um, but I think overall, like his value, especially next year's value, is going to outweigh his production that you'll ever get at the n f l level and I think that even starts now um and then a player I'm just not sure what to do with um it's basically because he's at texas a and m which makes sense um but it's evan Stewart like Evan Stewart, I think is a really, really good player, really, really talented player, but um I don't know if his value is going to continue to rise as fast as we think it's going to, uh, just because of the team in which he plays. Um, because Texas A&M is bad. Like, Jimbo can buy all those players, but he can't buy a win. You know, it, it just it's just tough for him. Um, but that's my unknown stock. I If I would guess, I'm assuming I'm probably still going to buy Evan Stewart and just hope that everything kind of shakes out in the end. Um, because, you know, the NFL just likes really athletic players that can go up and get the ball at any at any stage in the game. So I'll probably still end up buying him, but um, I don't know when to do that, to be honest. Um, Nelly, how about you?
2: Yeah, so speaking of freshman wide receivers, I think uh, a guy has joined kind of the top tier of two, which is considered to be Luther Burden and Evan Stewart, who you just talked about. Barry and Brown wide receiver at Kentucky right now is a clear top three wide receiver for me. Second in the country among freshmen in yards per pass, as we talked about earlier, he's at uh, over 1.8 yards per pass. Uh, that's as a true freshman. Uh, what that metric isn't encapsulating with him is he's an electric return man as well. He's returned to kick for a touchdown as he's had a couple long ones. He had one this past week that was called back while on the flag. Um, and he's getting exposure because he's playing alongside Will Levis, right? So um, a combination of him, him um, shining in the metrics, right? He's getting national exposure in the SEC, and he was a top recruit. He was a high four-star athlete recruit. He's got, he's got high end speed. I think right now he's a clear top three wide receiver um, and, and a potential first-round pick. Um, like top I'm, three in like,
3: uh,
1: in, among freshmen?
2: Yeah, among freshmen. Yeah, yeah. among the 2025 cool. eligible wide receivers. Um, yeah, no top three overall would be a little bit, a little bit too reactive. Um, I'm selling a different wide receiver. I'm selling Raheem Jarrett, who is a former five-star wide receiver at Maryland. Uh, he had a pretty solid freshman year in a shortened COVID season, and expectations were lofty for uh, for following up that. Last year he disappointed a little bit. He's been even worse this year. He's fourth on the team in receiving yards. I think he missed a game, uh, but still he's not very close. Um, he's getting pretty solid quarterback play, and he's just he's just an average uh, he's an average college wide receiver right now. Like he's not a he's not a day two pick this year, in my opinion. And I feel like that's what his market value is is someone who could go day two this year. Uh, I don't think he declares. I don't think he's um, he's done enough to be able to be in the position to declare and get solid draft capital. Uh, and so I think he comes back and we know on the Debbie market, right? If a wide receiver doesn't declare early when they're expected to, that value drops a little bit. Um, so I'm him. Uh, um, my unknown is a trio of wide receivers at Arizona. There's uh, Jacob Cowling, there's Ted McMillan and there's Dorian Singer. And it's pretty wild that there are three, Debbie relevant wide receivers on Arizona right now, who was the worst team in, in, uh, in power five conference last year. Um, But all three of these guys are over two yards per team. Or no, sorry, Tett isn't, uh, but he's a true freshman, but the other two singer and are over two yards per team pass attempt uh, yards per pass. Um, So they're having pretty solid seasons. And Tett McMillan was a, I think he was a borderline five-star wide receiver. He's done very well this year. Um, He's, he's, high up in the ranks of the raw counting stats. That offense has just been pretty good. So they're all kind of leeching off each other. So it's none of them are like putting together like an absurd season, but all three of them seem pretty good. Cowing was the transfer from uh, Utah El Paso, um, who I think has a day two shot, but I don't know what to do with them because of the fact that they're all kind of leeching off each other.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Uh,
1: Trav, how about you? Uh, I don't think it's funny. I don't think I'm actually legally allowed to say I'm, I'm, I am going to buy, <laughs> I'm buying any of the players in our pool, but I will say I do like, yeah, I can say that. I do like Drake may uh, of North Carolina. He's fun. Uh, and it's interesting just to see that how the the market with Mojo has reacted yeah. to him just because um, out of the 2024 guys, everyone's hyped up on Caleb Williams and they're confident in him. Everyone's hyped up on Quinn Ewers and they're confident in him. Uh, but, you know, Drake May's like the, the third highest price guy for 2024 right now, but he's, he's having a better season than both of them. Like by the numbers. And I know it's North Carolina and their defense is garbage, but like what he's, what he's doing right now is absurd. Like 24 touchdowns through seven games is just straight up silly. Uh, and then he's adding a whole bunch of value with his legs too. like his season ending numbers are going to be, bonkers part, partly because he has to just air it out a bunch but like even when you adjust for the scale of his offense jake jake may is just really kind of killing it better than sam hell actually ever did uh and he's doing it in his first year which is bravo man like that's that's a lot of fun so that's that's somebody i guess uh, that, that would be really intriguing to me uh i don't really know uh what to do with uh with trey palmer at nebraska because uh, we're talking about a, a wide receiver who's leading the country in, in receiving yards. He's got a, a that that dom a dominator rating, you know, well over thirty percent, you know, approaching forty percent uh, at this point, and um, he's doing it, you know, later in his career uh, because LSU is typically stacked at the wide receiver position, and he could never really break through and, and and break out in his time there. And then he transfers to Nebraska and is immediately productive. And how productive? Like he's going to be in the Bletnikoff discussion uh, for best wide receiver in the country uh, by the end of the year. Uh, so that's crazy because uh, I think he's going to get draft capital, but I, I think I'm going to dislike him by the, the by, you know, with the late breakout stuff. And so I, I, it's really tough because in, in terms of Debbie, he's probably not rostered at all, but in in college Cal- the can leagues, he probably is. So I, I don't know. I, it's, hard, it's hard to value. Uh, evaluate how the NFL sees him right now because he's got tons of speed for days and so NFL likes that Uh, so I'd I'd be interested in your guys' thoughts uh, when it comes to when it comes to him because I really just don't I don't know I don't know what to do uh, with him Um, you mentioned though, I will say Nelly I think my wide receiver three actually better than wide receiver three for freshmen is actually Antonio Williams his dom is only like 15 percent right now Um, you know about a yard and a half per uh team pass attempt the the Gipatippa uh for him but uh he's the wide receiver one for Clemson as a true freshman he has four like high high four star pedigree he's got great athleticism he's more than just your typical slot wide receiver so he's really fun to me too but uh you know the selling thing i can't say that either but you know i, I we've already talked about Will Levis. he's just he, we're at this point where in the in the schedule where it would be probably prudent to question how the rest of the season is going to go for him and what we know what he's done before, analytically speaking. Um, there's some reason to believe he might not be perfect down the stretch, you know? So it's just Will Levis, man. Mayo in the coffee, that, that, that really does it for me. But uh, but what it, it's also just, there's just not any analytical, analytical reason that he would be a top 10 kind of projected pick right now. And there's way too many people that are that high. On him um, and his price is going up on Mojo because people are confident in him uh, even just the casual fans clearly so I don't get that but uh, that's okay because I don't have to but yeah a little confusing
0: I think what's also fun is on the same team as Barry and Brown is also another really good freshman wide receiver yeah. in Dane Key like mm-hmm. uh, that that wide receiver class I think is just going to be fun I think it's going to be like I think it's yeah. going to be reminiscent of of kind of this last draft class, right? We're like, we weren't really sure who the wide receiver one was going to be, but we had like five guys that we really, really liked, right? And that's Good fun take, strong before. take, strong take there, Kane. Hey, thanks, buddy. But I, I honestly think that's where we're at. Like there's, it's we're, it's going to be pretty similar because there's so many good wide receivers. Um, So instead of having to choose one, just, you know, get all
1: the picks. That's always fun too. Yeah, does anybody have thoughts on Trey Palmer? Because I really don't know. I, I just... Confusing, like Shane. I'd like to like him.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a little worried uh, how his workouts will be too. So I, I, I wonder if he's just going to be like that day three pick guy that gets drafted based on production and never does that much. Like that's kind of my guess with Trey Palmer. He's been great. My CFF leagues, I've uh, been very happy. So I'll at least take that.
0: That's for sure, Shane. You want to give us your buy sell unknown stock?
3: Yeah, I'm actually going to go against Travis uh, here, just because you know on the show. But I, I'm actually going to sell Drake May. Not that I think Drake May is bad. I think everything Travis said is correct. You know, I, I think of the show when he was coming in, Drake May was coming in as a freshman. We talked about him, really liked him, and I, I like him. He's big, he's fast. Um, yeah, but I I think in the Devi community, there's there's a really big push for Drake May that that he is in that top tier um, that that's really starting to push in in 2024 and he might end up there, but I don't know if his value goes up over the next two years, if that makes sense. Like, I don't know if it's going to go much higher. Like, I'd rather trade up for what I know. I'd rather trade Drake Maye uh, and say maybe a Kechan Boutte or a Hollywood Brown and get CJ Stroud or get Bryce Young, you know, get the known quantity that I know is going to get top, uh, Top tier draft capital and feel confident rather than wait uh, another year. Is he going to do it for another year? Is it going to maybe two years? You know, I think there's there are a lot. There's a lot of downside to to May, um, but the upside's there too. So, but so I, I'm selling him if I can get good value and maybe trade up a quarterback. My buy, who I've had as a buy way back last year, a couple times. Um, and now it's putting it together is Blake Corum, the running back from Michigan. I think people are still too low on him. Him and Donovan Edwards both tore up Penn state. Um, I would offer and Debbie offer up those kind of second tier, like replacement running backs, Alexander Madison or Cleo Herbert. You know, if, if someone's not quite wise to what Blake Corum's doing, where his draft stock might be, he might be a legitimate second round pick, high second round pick. Um, you know, you could maybe get that. I would probably even pay up a little bit more if I had to toss a pick in there. You might be able to get him. And my unknown, and we talked about him on our second podcast, uh, our Secret Shopper podcast, is Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver for Tennessee. Five touchdowns against Alabama. Six catches. Um, I, I just – I don't know – he I still think Cedric Tillman's a better overall receiver than Jalen Hyatt. I don't know what his draft capital will look like if he does declare this year. I'm hoping he goes back to school, stays in that offense, and can build it. Might be still a buy opportunity for him. He might be one of those risers over the next year that ends up really good, or this might be it. You know, this is this is the one game that we have. So I'm not really sure what to do with Jalen Hyatt.
0: Normally I'd say something really triggering about BMI to Travis right now. But since we've already, especially about Jalen Hyatt. Um, but since we've kind of run the show a little bit late, uh, we just want to say thanks to Travis, uh, for hopping on. Um, you can always follow yeah. him on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M and try just take one more opportunity to kind of introduce people to Mojo and like also where they can find
1: it. Um, uh, what's the best way to kind of get into Mojo? Yeah. So you can go to mojo.com that's M O J O.com. And it's what's cool is it, like, when you download the app, um, you can actually get some like free shares of players, um, like we've got like a promo right now, you can probably find a few different places like a QR code where you can actually get at least fifty dollars to play around with. And you download the app, uh, which is pretty sweet. We were handing out a bunch of those cards at the Giants game this week. Um, like the there's there's an opportunity to win like up to ten thousand dollars in tradable shares uh, as well. But uh, check it out, mojo.com. Download the app and you can check out NFL players right now. Uh, college quarterbacks. Uh, we'll be adding running backs and wide receivers here soon. Uh, but yeah, quarterbacks already have been just just incredible there's the, the engagement and activity and all the, the big buys already. Right, i'm just blown away um just all all the moving pieces going on at, at mojo but the real first real stock market for sports and so i'm just glad to be a part of it and, and launching it uh entirely on the college side so thanks for thanks for, for having me and uh love to talk some debbie with you guys all, all anytime
0: well, that is it for us here at the Devi Marketplace. Just remember, thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate every single one of you.